morning. So we heard a snippet from the Hebrew scriptures, the story of Jonah, a little bit famous. You probably have some familiarity with Jonah's story. And then the gospel lesson, we hear some of the first words of Jesus in the story of Mark, as he's calling his first disciples, who are fisher folk. And when looking at these two lessons together, I'm like, wow, the lectionary authors do have a sense of humor. Is it the fish that connect them? The gospel talks about the fishermen who are called as disciples, and Jonah had an experience in a big fish for a little bit of time. But I don't think it's actually the fish that is connecting these two stories this morning. In Mark's gospel, it's placed at the very beginning of things, and these are the first words that we hear from Jesus. The time is fulfilled, and the reign of God has come near. Repent and believe in the gospel. The story, I think, is full of beautiful invitation, but I also think this story carries a little bit of baggage in some of the words and some of the language and in some of what it's come to mean, whether um, there may be some other meanings in there as well. So first of all, The time is fulfilled. Jesus is not speaking of the chronological um, movement of time moving in one direction. He's speaking of that different space. I think of it as, as dropping into a deeper space of time. The Greeks would refer to as kairos. Um, A place that we can live in. We live in the movement of time, like the time on the clock, the days moving from one to another. We also have an invitation to move into this deeper sense of time, of season, of place in a way. It's that time that we drop into in prayer. It's that time that we drop into when we find ourselves in the flow in something. It's that time we drop into, perhaps in meditation, or those times where you're like, wow, I can't believe so much time has passed because I am so deeply immersed, usually enjoying what I am experiencing. So there's this new sense that God's reign has arrived and is going to continue to grow and manifest in the world. Repent. It's another word that carries some baggage. Often it um, elicits thoughts of sort of self-flagellation or I have done wrong or I need to do better. But it really comes to a root word that just means turn in a new direction. It's an invitation for a change of heart, for a change of mind. In this story... John and James and Andrew and Simon, they literally get up and turn in a new direction with their bodies to follow Jesus. But I don't think that's the only way they were turning in a new direction. Mark's gospel is the oldest we have. It is short and direct and to the point, and it moves So in this short bit, we hear immediately a couple of times. 
There's this breathless sense in Mark's gospel. I think of it as like um, somebody that's telling a story, and they're going, and then this happened, and then this happened, and then this happened. Jesus sort of catches us up in a whirlwind in Mark's gospel and moves us along through all of these miraculous experiences, through healings, through teachings, and ultimately through the pathway to the cross, which leads to the resurrection and the empty tomb. So Jesus is by the Sea of Galilee, where many people were involved in the business of fishing. And he goes up and he says, Hey, I invite you, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. The brothers drop what they're doing and step and follow Jesus. And then he repeats this with two other brothers who drop what they're doing and follow Jesus. Now, I don't think he is, let's see, I don't think he is asking us to become fishermen so that we can fish for people. I think that in the context of things, Jesus is speaking in the the world they knew. So if he were to visit any one of us at what we do during the day, whether it's something that has to do with our profession or our work, or whether it's part of our vocation, our work in other ways, what would Jesus find us doing? And how would he invite and call us forward to continue to be about who we are and what we do, but with this change of heart that turns us, that orients us toward Jesus and the reign of God. I imagine that there's a variety of different professions represented in our space. How would Jesus approach us? I will make you fish for people. This is another one of those phrases that I think can carry a little bit of baggage because I think um, I often have an image of of a big net catching a whole bunch of people. And it's sort of about the, the quantity of like spreading the word and bringing all these people into the church or exposing many people to um, God's hope for us as the gospel, as the good news. But there is a scholar named Casey Hansen who has written an article doing a little research on what the fishing economy was like. The article is called The Galilean Fishing Economy and the Jesus Tradition. And I haven't read this article, but I've read somebody else who references the article. But the um, scholar suggests that by this time, these fisher folk, they weren't like independent contractors in a free enterprise system. That by this time, the Roman Empire controlled the work of fishing. Like Caesar owned the water, Caesar owned the fish. So these fishermen, they were working for the Roman Empire in the work that they were doing. And Jesus is doing something um, very radical in stepping up to them and saying, I invite you to fish for the people. The work that they had been doing was for the empire, which ultimately would benefit some people, but usually the people up at the top. 
And Jesus is saying, I invite you to follow me, and we will work for all the people. The people for whom empire often leaves behind. So this fish for people carries with it the sense of gathering people, of sharing the good news. But it also carries the sense of for the benefit of the people, not the empire. What sort of God is Jesus inviting us to follow? This is where I think the Jonah story fits in very nicely with this call, this invitation that Jesus offers to his disciples. Jonah was a prophet. Um, His story is pretty short in the Hebrew scriptures. To recap, God says to Jonah, I've got a job for you. I need you to go to Nineveh, that great city, that is a part of the Assyrian Empire. The Syrian Empire, from a Hebrew perspective, they were like the super bad guys. They were not kind. They were not good. And so when we say great empire, it means like big and strong empire that hasn't always been about the good of the Hebrew people. So God is asking Jonah to sort of head into the belly of the beast, in a way, and tell them that they need to repent. Because they're not going in the right direction, and God would like to invite them to, in a sense, follow Jesus. And Jonah's answer, he's like, Nineveh's that way, I'm going to go this way, I'm going to get on a boat, I'm going to move as far away as I can. They're on the boat, the storm comes, there's some divination involved, and the sailors don't want to do it, but Jonah's like, there's a storm, because... God's got an issue with me because I'm not following what I'm supposed to do. So the sailors are like, we're sorry, but we got to cast you overboard. And then, miraculously, Jonah is saved. God shows up in the form of a great fish and swallows him up. Where he hangs out for a little bit of time. Until he is safely delivered to the land. Jonah's like, all right, I got it, I'll go. He heads toward Nineveh. He spends some time telling them, hey, this is what God has said. It is time to repent, turn in a new direction, change your heart, change your mind. And lo and behold, the people do. The people that hear him do, and like, like the king, like, like the leaders of the empire do. So Jonah has tremendous success. You would think he would be pleased, but he's not. He, he's mad at God. He's like, God, I knew you would be merciful and compassionate because that's how you are. But now these people who, like, we, we used to sort of hate, like, we can't because they're turning in a new direction. They're following your invitation. God and Jonah have some more words that finish off the story in a kind of strange way. But God reminds Jonah that God is God. And God's ways are God's ways. God is a God of compassion and love and mercy. We are invited into discipleship, which is a really churchy word, I would say, but it is, it is a way of following Jesus. It doesn't mean we leave our lives behind or our identities behind or our work behind. It means that we engage even deeper into who we are as people who seek to live our lives 
the way Jesus would live them. Follow me, he says. Follow me, and the God of compassion, the God of love, will help. I will make you fish for people. Jesus reminds us that it is God's work to help cultivate within us this sense of being about all the people and the good news. 